0: When colors turn to shades of gray with the weight of the world at the end of the day, what would I do without you? A decade goes by without a warning, and there's still a kindness in your eyes amidst the questions and the worry. My- Good morning, Mission View Church. If you got your Bible apps or your Bibles, go with me to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians, the third chapter. Saturday, September 6th of last fall, I saved my marriage. It was a day that college football had just hit its second week. I love college football. It was a day that we were invited to a function that I hate, not because I have anything against the people that are there, it's just I despise weddings, they bore me to tears and it's just a miserable experience and we were invited to my wife's co-workers wedding and she is an incredible woman and and we both love her and, and her fiance very much but I would just rather send a gift and sit at home and watch football and it was also the fall is just starting so there's a lot of work to be done so I I talked to Brooke about maybe me not accompanying her who happened to be 36 weeks pregnant at the time uh, to Cleveland to attend this wedding and she told me that would be okay but it was one of those, that would be okay. And really what she meant is that would be anything but okay. And I will kill you if you don't do this. And so we went to Cleveland. And just so happens my roommate from college, he, he lives in Cleveland. And he he happened to just text me and he said, hey, what are you doing today? I'm like, well, I'm already in Cleveland. The reception's in Akron. Let's just hang out. And so we start texting during the wedding about how we're going to hang out in between the wedding and the reception. And after the wedding's over, I I grab my wife's hand and she shows me that her ankles are swollen. She's 36 weeks pregnant. and We've got a few hours to kill in between uh, when the wedding was over and when the reception started. And I just held her hand. I'm like, baby, I've got great news. And she's like, what is that? And I'm like, oh, we're going to go hang out with Ben and Dan, one of my other friends from college, he's in town. And she said, we're going to go what? And I said, yeah, us, you know, we're going to go and let us take off our, uh, let me take off my, my suit for just a little bit. Let me get relaxed and, and you'll be able just to sit down on the couch and, and spread out a little bit and, and, and watch football with us. And, and we'll eat. Ben's going to fire up the grill. It's going to be just an incredible time. And she looked at me, and she said, what are you thinking? And I said, I'm thinking this is going to be a great afternoon after all. And she said, fine. And I said, all right, Ben, we're on our way. And I hung up the phone. And she looked at me, and she said, what are you doing? And I said, you just said it was fine. She said, I didn't mean it was fine. So, why didn't you tell me you didn't mean it was fine? If you said fine, I thought it was fine. She's like, I don't want to go over to his house. I don't feel good. I'm tired. I'm hungry. I'm like, perfect solution. Ben has a couch. He's got a guest room. He's firing up the grill. Everybody wins. And I started to drive to Ben's house. And then I turned and instead drove home. And I called Ben. I'm like, hey man, I'd love to come over and hang out with you and Dan. But it's just not going to work today. So we drove from Cleveland back to our home in North Canton. Even though the reception was in West Akron just a few hours later, And I reminded her of the price of gasoline every mile along the journey, pretty much. She took a nap. She got up. Went to the reception. All along the way, I reminded her, we've got to be out of here at 745 because the Buckeyes are playing at 8. And they're playing against Virginia Tech. And she's like, we're not going to rush it. I'm like, let's just try. And by the grace of God, we didn't make it out of that reception anywhere near 8 o'clock. And it's just because God was looking out for me, because the Buckeyes played like crap that night. They looked terrible. And I missed that game because we were at that reception until 11 o'clock. And we drove home. And I want you to know, I saved my marriage that day. It's one of those times I got it right, it doesn't happen all that often. But I saved my marriage that day. Not in that if I would have gone to Ben, my wife would have divorced me. Not in that if we would have just hung out in Akron, our relationship would have ended. Not in that if I would have drug her out of that reception three and a half hours earlier than we left like I wanted to. She would have thrown in the towel. Not in that sense did I save my marriage. But in another sense, I did. You see, I meet with couples all the time. All too frequently, quite frankly. And it's too late. They've already thrown in the towel. And at that point in time, they're willing to do anything. They're willing to try anything. They're willing to go through any great effort to try to save their relationship. They're willing to make the sacrifice at that point. The problem is it's too late. It's too late. And so when you set aside your dream agenda for the day to exalt your spouses, you save your relationship. When you decide, I'm not going to order pizza, even though the only thing I want to eat tonight is pizza, and we're really by this close place, and they've got the best pizza ever. You can just see, oh, it's incredible. And your spouse is like, let's eat healthy. And you're like, great grilled chicken and a cliff bar, awesome dinner. You're saving your relationship. When Lifetime Movie Network has the 11th movie in a row of the woman who snapped and murdered her husband, and you're just like, yes, I can't wait to watch this. And your husband's like, honey, the big game's on. And you begrudgingly say, all right, we can spend the next three and a half hours watching this. You just save the relationship. This morning, we're going to look at Colossians 3 we're going to see some instructions for how how families should work. And then we're going to see some instructions for how environments at work should work. And the predominant theme, I'm going to give it away. Here's the predominant theme all morning, right here. If you take nothing else, just listen to this, and then you can tune me out. Here's it in a nutshell. This is how you will have great family Dynamic, this is how you'll have a great marriage. This is how you will have a great experience at work. Three words. Others over self. Others over self. If that is the predominant theme in how we conduct our lives, and oh, by the way, as Christ followers, it should be, we will have... Great marriages. We will have great families. And we will have great working environments. We will be the employees that bosses want to hire. And we will be the bosses that employees can't wait to work for. If we develop within our lives a theme and a mantra of others over self. So Colossians 3, 18, which is where we're going to start this morning, says this, wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Now this whole idea of submission that we get in our minds a lot of times we have this idea of it's like a UFC fight it's it's one person battling and trying to impose their will upon their opponent and we don't we don't put it in these terms but really this is this is how we this is how we view the idea of submission and it's like I want my way I want my and we we won't always come out and just say that, but a lot of times that is that is how we really conduct. How we really conduct ourselves and so it becomes this unspoken and sometimes a spoken battle between, between a husband and a wife and both battling to get their way and there's almost like this struggle just to submit the other person that they would tap out like in a UFC fight as we're just battling along trying to just impose our will to get our way. And if that's our idea of submission, the problem is that's coming from a place where we're not wanting to elevate others over ourself. So let me challenge you. This whole idea of submission, we need to rethink. 1 Corinthians 11.3 says, says this, But I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ, The head of a wife is her husband, and the head of Christ is God. What an incredible dynamic. What an incredible dynamic that's put into play here. This is not saying that Jesus is any less God than God the Father. That's not the idea here. The idea here is even within the Trinity, there are clearly defined roles. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And so within our marriage relationships, there is this idea of submission. In an immaturity, in a lack of understanding, in just difficulty, or in just the case of guys being a jerk. They view this not as a relationship which exists within the Godhead. They view this as a struggle for control. Like you would see in a fight. To impose their will. To impose their way. And this idea of submission in our culture, it's looked down upon. Because it's almost like I am less of a person if I will submit. Because of the bad examples that others have set. Because our culture just gives us tons of ideas and advice that goes contrary to God's word. And is terrible. But the challenge is this, let us view submission within our relationships in the same way that God views submission and happens within the Godhead. That Jesus submits his will to the Father. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. And there's the qualifier. As is fitting to the Lord. Submit to your husbands in the same way. You submit to Christ. Notice there's there's not a qualifier here. Submit if your husband isn't a jerk. Now he's gonna miss it. He's going to fail you. The account you will give to God is how you respond. I want to challenge you. Look to the picture of God, not culture. And I also want to be very clear on something. Because some people will masquerade in a church. Some people would say that they're Christ followers when they're, when they're anything but. And their conduct certainly does not live up to the, to the requirements that Scripture sets forth. And so let me be very clear. In this idea of submission, in this idea of submission, never confuse it. Never confuse this idea For submission as as an allowance for you being taken advantage of. Because there are some, unfortunately, who will use this. And they would look at their wife and they would abuse her physically emotionally so you submit to me understand that's not what's being discussed here and if you're in a situation where you're being abused physically get out get out if you need help you need to come talk to me after the service You need to talk to somebody you trust, but don't allow yourself to be a victim because of somebody's warped idea, because they can't control their anger, and we're going to see here in a minute that if a man ever hits you, if he's ever abusive to you, then he is not living up to what God has called him to do, and you need to leave. You need to get out of that situation. Don't stay. Let me be very clear. Get out. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives. And do not be harsh with them. This seems so easy. Husbands, love your wives. It it seems incredibly easy, but we know that falling in love, that's what's easy. Staying in love is incredibly hard. And so we fall in love and everything's great. And it, it should be. You're putting your best foot forward, the other person's putting their best foot forward. We're starting to form a connection with somebody new, and we're discovering all the all the incredible things about them, and we're starting to discover some things about them that drive us crazy. But in our minds, we're like, oh, we can we can fix that, or we'll just we'll minimize that, we'll, we'll 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 work through that. Nobody's a finished product. Let's just give it some time. Or worse yet, I think a lot of relationships. Aren't really built on love as much as they are lust. I mean, a lot of times that people fall in love is is really at the peak of somebody's physical condition. It's it's generally in their in their early twenties to to all throughout the decade of your twenties, where physically things are things are still intact and things are going well, and and you mistake your feelings of lust because you're attracted to the person for for feelings of love and all of a sudden you get into this relationship and you're discovering things about them and then you're married and then you start to discover things about them that you didn't even know they were capable of and you are frightened and you are like, I didn't even know that was possible. You are disgusting and vile. I still love you, but if your relationship's built on lust, you no longer have that. And in love, all of those traits that you were going to work on, all those things that annoyed you a little bit but could be overcome, they start to show up more frequently because you're with the person always and there's nowhere to go and there's nowhere to hide and it's like somebody's just taking a spotlight and putting it right on the faults you have, and we all struggle with selfishness. It just matters how we cloak it. And there it is. Marriage is hard. It's incredibly rewarding. But it's incredibly difficult as well. Husbands, love your wives. Put her before yourself. Elevate her needs. Her feelings, whether you find them to be irrational or not, her feelings are more important than the fourth quarter. It may not always feel like it at that time, especially if you've already heard them seven times that night. Her feelings are more important than the fourth quarter. Pause the game. Don't be harsh. Love. Elevate her over yourself. Husbands, love your wives. Do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. So, children are to obey. Which is great when it happens and infuriating when it doesn't. And fathers do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Parents are so incredibly important, so incredibly important And I'm not trying to diminish the role of moms here at all, but but just for a minute, I want to talk to you dads. I want to talk to you just for a minute. See, because we have an incredible responsibility for those of us who are fathers. Our responsibility is to model for our children God. Just let that soak in for a minute. Our responsibility is to model for our children God. So dads, value your relationship with your kids. Value your relationship with your kids. I know that most most men, not all, but most men are very task-oriented, very task-focused. And so we go to work, and we we throw it all in. And, And when we're done, when we're done with work, We're just shot. We're exhausted. We're tired. And and we come home. And and for those who have high-stress jobs, the last thing you want to do is just pour into other people. You just want to relax. Don't allow your family to suffer because of your working environment. Value your relationship with your kids. No matter what it takes... If you have to schedule it on your calendar, and there have been times in my life where I do this, when I'm just busy, and so I go to my calendar, and I just take a block out, and I just say, Ethan, my kid's two. He's got no idea, but he knows when daddy's home, and he knows when daddy's playing, and he's happy. And here's the problem in our culture. I'm just going to tell you. Here's the problem in our culture. People dismiss family time. They just dismiss it. If they need you, they dismiss it. And so if you tell somebody, hey, I can't do this because I'm hanging out with my wife and my kids, they say, oh, come on. You've got got all this time. This is what I need you to do. So here's a little trick. Just put them in their calendar. And then when people say, hey, I need you here, I'm like, I'm sorry, I can't. I have a lunch meeting. I have a lunch meeting with my favorite two-year-old in the entire world. And your problem, it doesn't rise to that occasion for me. I'm sorry. I want to meet with you. I want to talk with you. But I'm not going to screw up my family in order to do that. So just schedule that time. Maybe it's Sunday afternoons. You just say, you know what? I'm not working. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to hang out with friends. My kids need me. Maybe it's bedtime. And you just need to figure out how many nights you need to be there to pray with your kids, to tell them a story, to play dress up, to chase them around the house, to go outside and hit the baseball. And admittedly, I'm at a stage in my life right now where my kids require more attention. In about 10 to 12 years from now, my kids are going to hate my guts, and they're not going to care what I'm doing. They're just going to think I'm the lamest person ever, partly because I am the lamest person ever, and partly because they're just my kids, and they're going to be teenagers at that point in time, and I'm going to be the dumbest person that they've ever met in their entire life. And I'm just ready for it. I've worked with teenagers. I know it's coming. But right now, I'm not going to miss this stuff. Because I need to model for them what God looks like. And God always has time for me. And God's always there when I think things are the biggest deal in the world. And in the cosmic scheme of things, they're absolutely nothing. And yet God isn't dismissive. Dads, value your relationship with your kids. Go the extra mile. I don't know what it is, but, but just tell them that you love them. And then when they hear it and they understand, tell them again. And you may not condone everything they're doing in their life. You may not even like the path that they're on. You may look at them and you may be incredibly disappointed with some of the choices that they're making. Pick up the phone and just let them know, hey, I don't agree with everything, but I love you. And there is nothing you're going to do that can change that. Because that's how God looks at us. We make mistakes. We do stupid things. And yet he never gives up on us. And he always loves us. Dads, be the best picture of God that you can be. Go the extra mile. And always, always, always make sure your family knows that you love them. Bond servants, obey everything. Those who are your earthly masters. Not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart. Fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily, as for the Lord, not for men. Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. Work hard when people are watching, and especially when they aren't. You want to be a great employee? work hard when your boss is watching and especially when he isn't. Now this goes pretty unnatural to what happens in mo- most workplaces. I used to love Undercover Boss before they just released the concept and it got so popular that everybody knew now that when a guy comes that looks a little weird and funky makeup and a camera crew that yeah this is probably Undercover Boss. But before that happened, the first couple seasons, I love the premise and the concept of the show And I love just watching people's reactions. I love seeing those who were hard workers when they thought they were just training some random person for an opportunity. And I love seeing the unveil for those that didn't work hard at the end when the boss let them know, hey, I'm the boss. And in our culture, what happens a lot of times is people turn it on when they think people are watching. They go the extra mile when the boss is there. They They want their effort to be seen. But as soon as the boss isn't there, as soon as their supervisor is nowhere to be found, they get lazy. They cut corners. Customers don't appreciate it, but they don't care. Don't be like that. Be the employee that works hard when the boss is watching and especially hard when they aren't. Give it your all. Because there's this incredible dynamic about our work that we don't often think about that God reveals here. And this is the dynamic. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord, not for men. Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving Christ the Lord. Understand when you go to work, your ultimate reward isn't your paycheck. When you go to work, your ultimate reward is awaiting you one day and will be given to you by God because your work is not seen temporary. Understand your work outlives you Your ultimate reward is not your paycheck, but an inheritance given to you by God. This is incredible. When we work, it doesn't matter in what industry. It doesn't matter how. When we work as Christ followers, we are to give our all as working for God because we are working for God. And our ultimate reward is not our paycheck. It is an inheritance which God will one day give us. The payoff is eternal. So we need to be the best employees that people can find. We need to be the hardest working people. And what's the key to that? Others over self. Others over self. Your boss is a jerk. You hate your supervisor. It's fine. You're not working for them. You're working for God. Give it your all. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done. And there is no partiality. Masters, treat your bondservants justly and fairly. Knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Bosses, owners, managers, treat your employees well. Be the company that people cannot wait to interview at. Provide the environment that just people love to walk into. It will cost you more money. It will affect your bottom line. But I promise you this, your bottom line will increase when you have a motivated workforce. Be the place that people cannot wait to go work at. Love and value your employees. And I understand the culture Tells us we can't do that. And I understand that lawyers tell us you can't really get involved too closely because that's just a litigation nightmare. And I would say be willing to be sued. Love people. Love people. It will cause you more heartache. But it will be incredibly rewarding. Be the place that people want to go. Be the place that really pours into people's lives. Be the place that challenges people to grow. Be the place that gives honest feedback. Be that place the place that really speaks into people. I'm not scared of being sued, but just love and value people. And this whole idea, this whole idea, is to put others over ourselves. So, wives, when you see something one way and your husband disagrees, others over self. Husbands, when your wife has needs and you're tired or just sick of listening, just shut up and listen. Others, others over self. When you're exhausted, You've got nothing left to give. And your kid just wants to play hide and seek. Just get out of the chair. Others over self. When you go to the work, the place where you work, and you're underappreciated and underpaid, your bosses take you for granted, and nobody's around to know if you're going to mail it in, you give it your all. You work hard. Others over self. When you interview that person for a job they don't ultimately get, and they ask you why, give them some honest feedback. Don't worry about being sued, because it's going to help them grow. Others over self. That's what we're called to be. And if we elevate others over ourselves, we will be the wives and husbands that people are lucky to have. We'll have the family that won't be perfect. We'll be a picture of God's love. And we'll find fulfillment in our work not because of our boss or our manager, but because we understand we're working for God. When we put others over ourself, we'll create the type of dynamic opportunity employees can't wait to work at. Because we put them above ourselves. And that's what we're called we understand it, the hard part is putting it into practice. God, I pray that we would be defined as people who put others over ourselves, that we would be the best wives and husbands, the best parents, best employees and employers The city has to offer. God, I pray that we would would just live this out for the times we're tired, the times we want to quit, for the times it feels like nobody's noticing and nobody's appreciating it, for the times when we're being advised to do something differently. pray you'd give us resolve with your spirit working within us and we would reject those notions and we would be resolved to put others over ourselves. God, that you would be glorified in that. In your son, Jesus' name we pray, amen.